joining us. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Flame. Hi, fandom. Today is a special bonus episode where we're going to talk about events, what they are, how to run them, and how to participate. I'm new to fandom, obviously, but I've already gotten a crash course in some of the realities of events. And I've been a part of nearly every kind of event doing nearly every task that supports them. So between the two of us, we think we'll provide a pretty comprehensive, if quick, Fandom Events 101. We are also heading into Northern Hemisphere summer, which means a lot of events. Marie does an incredible job rounding up most of them for our events forecast, but a lot happens so quickly that it's best to check her blog for a comprehensive list. We both love events, and we know you guys do too, since the most praised segment on the pod is consistently the events forecast. We hope this brief primer is helpful not only for those about to dive into their first event, but even for anyone who's been around a few blocks. So without further ado, let's get started. First off, let's do a basic rundown of some of the most popular fandom events. We've got bangs, reverse bangs, exchanges, madnesses, bingos are probably the ones you see the most. There's also round robins, relays, remixes, prompt lists, prompt challenges, charity auctions, the list goes on and on. Since the only limit to event creation is the creativity of fandom, we have a lot going on. Basically, whatever your mood is at any given time of year, there's an event for you. The events that get talked about most are probably bangs. These are events where writers write a story and some part of it is shared, a snippet, a summary, a synopsis, what have you. And artists then claim those stories and create art for them. Bangs are one of the longest standing, I'd say, fandom events. They've been around for a long, long, long time. It's, the idea is it's a way to get writers and artists working together. Um, and for a lot of people who've never had somebody make art for their work before, it can be very exciting. You might see different names for various bangs, big bang, mini bang, stuff like that. Usually that just has to do with word count. Originally in the first fandoms that started doing bangs, the word counts were really high. Like I think 50,000 words <laughs> way back when was popular for a big bang. Um, but a lot of those counts have come lower and lower and lower as fandoms have realized what a barrier for entry that can be. So generally now, because it varies so much, the big or mini aspect may not be entirely clear at first. So whatever it's called, I would recommend looking into the notes to see the rules or, or whatever they have to see exactly how many words are going to be expected of you before you sign up. Yeah, and just like any other community, the meaning of words evolves over time. And fandom is such a community where the turnover is high. Obviously there's new people coming and going every day. Mm -hmm. And so bang has become, in my experience in just a year, like big bang is like the word you just use and then bang is slang for it. <laughs> but yeah, that's big not bang. necessarily true. Yeah, it's, it's lost a little bit of the distinction between what a bang and a big bang is. And, and a lot of, there are like standard ones like cat big bang or whatever. And so people, people short form that to C-A-P-B-B or whatever. And um, so that kind of language evolution does happen. So yeah, again, just, just look to be sure you know what you're getting into. Yeah. And then you have bang events where the art is presented first and the author picks the art to create for, and those are called reverse bangs, literally what it says on the tin. <laughs> 
in my experience, usually, and I think this is across the board, but Ferret, correct me, usually a lower word count minimum than, than bangs. Like the last three reverse bangs I did were all 5K word counts. Yeah, they're usually less than the same event groups bang will be. So a lot of event groups do both a bang and a reverse bang. So at one point in the year, they'll run a bang and then the other half of the year, they'll run a reverse bang. And generally, yeah, I would assume that reverse bangs are going to have a slightly lower word count. Another kind of event that's super popular, especially around holidays and occasionally in the summer as well, is an exchange. With an exchange, you would sign up, usually through AO3, but there are ones that are run on many other platforms as well. You describe a little bit of your likes and dislikes. Sometimes you tag which universes you want or which ships you want, depending if it's a ship-specific exchange or not. And that is given anonymously to somebody else who takes, takes what they've been given there and creates a fan work for you. Meanwhile, you will get given someone else's sign up and be expected to make a fan work of your own. So it works very similarly to the idea of a secret Santa exchange, which maybe you've done in your workplace. Yeah. And the reveals day for exchanges, I will say our uh, editorial comment here, really fun. <laughs> yeah, they're wild. And some, some exchanges will do that there's an, an anonymous period. So everything you'll get your gift, but you won't know who it's from yet. And you get to read it and comment on it without knowing who it is. And then once all the gifts have been handed out at the very end of the event, they'll do author reveals and you'll get to see the name of the person who made your gift for you. So there's like, there's layers of anonymity there that can make it extra fun. So the exchange's very close cousin in event world is a madness or a stocking event or a prompt meme. They're all kind of part of the same umbrella. These are events, again, that are mostly run on AO3 that are like a one-sided ex public exchange. I'm going to not explain this well. Ferret help. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that one of the classic exchanges of this type is Fandom Stalking, which has been running every year for quite some time up to this past year where it did not run. Um, I don't know if we have word yet on whether it's going to run again this year. But the idea was you sign up with a stocking. So for your stocking, you say what general kinds of things you like, ships you like, even your hobbies, and um, you know what kinds of food you like pictures of. And that creates a stocking, which then other people can fill as many people as they want with whatever they want that fits your parameters. So it's a totally open, the idea of a madness event is that once you've, you've posted your sign up, that sign up becomes available for anybody who wants to, to fill. So yeah, Phantom Stocking is a classic and Yuletide, which is a straight exchange for rare pairs, also has a, uh, an extra Yuletide madness where you can make bonus gifts and give them to other people's stockings as long as you've finished your own. There's also chocolate box around Valentine's Day that does something similar to that. So yeah, that's the idea sort of with the madness or stocking event. It uses the prompt meme challenge system on AO3 if you do run it on AO3, uh, which is a sort of very specific set of challenge guidelines. But fandom stocking actually runs on Dreamwit. It used to run on LiveJournal. <laughs> oh my God, LiveJournal. I haven't thought yeah. about that in a hot minute. No kidding. Um, but the way they do it is you just comment on the post with your piece. So it would be possible to run something like this elsewhere. Tumblr might be hard, but there are lots of different ways to do it. And people have done it a bunch of different ways. But fundamentally, we're talking about you make a sign up, anyone can satisfy that sign up however they want. Cap.im does a remix madness where you sign up with the pieces that you're willing to have remixed or the pieces you are not willing to have remixed. 
and other people can, anyone can come in who wants to and choose from that list, do a remix and submit that as remix madness. So yeah, there's lots of different ways that you can make a, a madness style event happen. There are two more events that frequently pop up on our events calendar that we want to cover. And then for any others, because there are a lot, we encourage you to look at the lexicon on the podcast website or just go to FanLore and search for it. If you see the name of an event and you don't know what it is, FanLore is always a great place to start. The first is theme weeks. Um, and these are often run on social media, so you might see them on Tumblr or Twitter. And they can vary a bit too, but the idea is basically that there will be a theme picked. It might be a ship, it might be a character, it might be a trope. So you might see Sam Wilson week or Hurt Comfort week. And the idea is that for the period of that week, you're encouraged to post pieces that fit that theme, usually with a specific tag or submit them some way. And the the week social media will reblog re or share or retweet those things. Usually very low barrier for entry with theme weeks. There's generally not any kind of minimum or anything like that. And oftentimes you'll be given prompts. So they might have, uh, you know, I, I think there used to be a Bucky Nat week. I don't know if they still do that. And every day of the week was a different prompt. So, you know, Monday might be romance or something like that. And Tuesday would be knives or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and it's supposed to be just totally open. However, that inspires you to create, you create and it becomes part of the theme week. Yeah, I know there's winter iron week. Um, and I'm hearing rumors of a stony week and as well as a partner week happening. And I'm mm -hmm. toying with the idea of a ABO week. That would be so fun lots and lots of of ways to engage in that kind of thing coming up for sure so gives you a little motivation to get to dig into one specific theme or ship that you're into for a short period and then the final one that is ubiquitous i think is bingos Ferret mm -hmm. and i have different approaches to bingos <laughs> i sign up for anyone that sounds even vaguely fun and sometimes i get bingo and sometimes i don't but i like having the prompt challenge Whereas I have a near pathological need to black out every single card I can get. Just as a sideline, what it's, it's generally called, it's a bingo if you get a line. I don't know, maybe kids these days don't play bingo anymore. But if you get a bingo card, five in a row in a line, diagonal or straight up and down or horizontal is called a bingo. Because if you were playing bingo, that would be enough to win. But a blackout is when you get, if, when you fill every square on the card. So I love bingos, but I have to be really careful about how many I sign up for because I quite literally can't not finish them. It's intense. Um, yeah, so she's dragged me um, into a blackout for Tony Stark bingo. Um, so, you say and, that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> I was like, so oh. excited. You're bad. I was like, oh, I have like nine left. I'll just leave it go. And you said, so what are the squares? Let's start brainstorming. <laughs> you got this, girl. Come on. <laughs> Like the best, most enabling cheerleader. Um, no, I'm really excited actually now. I'm slightly intimidated, but like now I'm good because the round ends July 4th. So I got to get going. We got time. I just uh, got my card like a week ago. <laughs> yeah. We got um, bags of time. <laughs> so every time I'm writing something when Mr. Flame thinks I shouldn't be writing, he's like, what is going on? I'm like, just blame Ferret. He's accepted it. Blame ferret is an all-around useful phrase, and uh, everyone listening, you're all welcome to use it as well for absolutely anything you like. I will, I will shoulder that for you. So, but back to bingos. Bingos are exactly what you'd expect. They're usually centered around a character, or a ship, or a theme, or a trope, 
We've got Band Together Bingo is a new one that just came out with all problematic squares. That's pretty fun if you want to get involved with that. But yeah, you can pick anything really to be the basis of a bingo. I've done I've done Stony bingos. There's a Bucky Barnes bingo, and I've also done Hurt Comfort bingo. So it, it's really anything. Each bingo will have its own rules for minimum fills. They usually are less than a thousand words for writing. I've I've not seen many that that go any higher than that. Usually it's more like around 200, 300, 500 words for bingo fill. So they're usually fairly low barrier for entry and there's absolutely no punishment if you don't finish for a bingo. With things like bangs, when someone else is, is working with you and you sort of have a responsibility to, to fill, most bangs will not let you participate in the next year's event or any other events that that group may have until you have completed your obligation for the previous one. So if you do, that's a, that's assuming that you didn't, um, you know, default during the normal period where you're allowed to do that. But if posting comes and goes and you did not post, then you're usually beholden to do that before you can participate again. Bingos have absolutely nothing. There's no, there's no assigned dates to post. There's no, you know, if you don't do it, you don't do it. It's fine. You can just get another bingo card. In fact, a lot of bingos even let you carry cards over or carry squares over to the next round. Yeah, it, the focus is content creation for this 100%. Yeah. Just how, how can we get more cake for that particular card? Um, you can also usually win badges for completing bingo or a blackout or any special challenges that they assign. Yeah, the Marvel Polyship bingo that's running right now has this bonus badge if you do everything in an alternate universe. <laughs> Fun. And Tony Stark Bingo famously has the dummy badge for making fills but not getting bingo, <laughs> which I also really love. Um, Tony Stark Bingo has a lot of quirks of just like, how do we create more content? And that's um, every bingo I've personally been a part of that I've enjoyed. The focus has been on how do we just encourage you to create more, whether that's art or playlists or mood boards or um, crafts or fic how do we how do we get more work and obviously here at uh the podcast we are fans of more work more cake um also i have been asked before what you do with a badge <laughs> yeah that's a great question like what are badges um and yeah they're kind of an old holdout from old social media like live journal where you could have you could put them in your profile and stuff like that so people would collect badges and their profiles would have like all the badges that they've collected over the years. We don't really have that anymore, but I have seen people set them as their avatar on Tumblr, as their avatar on Discord, or on other social media. Sometimes people just reblog a picture, like they just put their badge in a post and blog that to celebrate. They might put it at the top of their master post if they list all of the squares that they filled. They're really just they don't quite have the the place that they used to. There used to be a place where you would put your badges. But I still think that it's really special just to get it. They're just a little image. Usually, you know, everybody who gets a bingo, everybody who gets a blackout or whatever will have the same image, but it'll have your name on it. And uh, yeah, it's like getting a, it's like going to camp and like getting a little participation ribbon. Yeah. I have a folder on my phone of all my badges. Yeah. You just save them somewhere. You know what? Fuck it. Print them out and stick them to your wall. And then whenever you're sad, you look at them and go, I accomplished that. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. Another one you might see floating around is the charity auction. I'm actually heavily involved with running Marvel Trump's Hate, which you might see shortened to MTH sometimes. And that's one of the 
large Marvel-based charity auctions that runs um, regularly each year. And that one was based off of Stony Trump's hate and fandom Trump's hate, which is sort of the big standard charity auction. Uh, but there've been a lot of other little charity auctions that have popped up now and then, usually related to a specific effort that they're raising money for. The Trump's hate auctions are more broad. They raise money for a larger collection of charities that are sort of standards year to year. But basically the way a charity auction works is that creators sign up. They offer themselves a work of theirs. It could be something that already exists or something that you're willing to make commissioned, especially for somebody. And there's a period of bidding where everyone bids on the various creators. And when bidding closes, those winners donate that money that they bid directly to charity. And as a result, they win a fan work from the creator that they bid on. And so you'll see this like constantly whenever there is a charity auction, people fretting over not getting bid on or how much money to offer for how many word count. So if you're thinking of entering and you're like, but I don't even know how to do it. Know that all of us who do it every single time are in those kind of discussions too, <laughs> I guess is a way to say that. Like, no Whatever matter you're what, stressing about, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. Like, which is pretty much one of the truisms of fandom, right? Whatever yeah. you're stressing about, you're not alone. Um, even if it's like Animal Crossing, you're not alone. Um, and whatever you're drooling over, you're already you're also not alone. <laughs> we're absolutely not alone. Oh, I had a long discussion this morning about waistcoats. Mm. Ooh, yeah, girl. Um, but there's there's other opportunities too. Like if you are, if something is really bothering you in the world and you would like to raise money for it and you are somebody that um, can create, there are people that will participate in that. For instance, even outside of Marvel Trump's hate, when the Australian brush fires were happening, I just put up on Tumblr that I, if you screenshot me a screenshot of a donation from one of the approved Australian charities, I will create a fan work of your choice for you. Yeah, and there's like, um, there's definitely, it's a, it's a big spectrum using fan works to raise money for charity. And if something like Phantom Trump's Hate or Marvel Trump's Hate, where there's hundreds of people participating seems overwhelming, then there are definitely smaller things you can absolutely do to use your words to support charities that are in need. Art and handicrafts are the same way. Um, mm -hmm. And anything that you can, betaing is also popular. Um, if you're a really good beta um, or you just really like doing it, that's a great winning thing. So it's, it's broad. And the point is that in a, it really truly that no matter how little financial capital we have to give, um, there are other ways to give and create more joy in the world. And so kind of this collaborate collaborative charity auction is another expression of who we are as fandom. Very, very famously, the Supernatural fandom raised a whole lot of money for Puerto Rico right after Hurricane Maria. Um, and other, a big part of fandom history that maybe I'll cover in, an, in a Professor Flame corner is the engagement with charity that's a thing that fandom has done since the mid-60s to be honest um, and possibly even earlier so um, just just know if you're interested in participating in specifically Marvel Trump's hate I'm gonna link the discord server for the event in the show notes we are just starting to gear up and get ready 
for this year. We haven't had our official announcement, but you heard a year first, folks. <laughs> we are starting to get ready. So uh, yeah, hopefully I'll see you there and you can sniff around and see if it's something you'd be interested in as either a creator or a bidder, maybe both. So now that you have an idea of what kind of events are out there, we have some tips and suggestions for both running events and participating in them. idea of what kinds of events you can participate in and again there are so many and we've only just barely touched the surface of the kinds of things that you can get involved with we thought we would do two more little segments for this the first one is tips for running events and then after that we're going to talk about tips for participating in events so first up tips for running events the very first thing, and the when we first started talking about this discussion, the thing that came out of my mouth the fastest is know or choose carefully who you're working with. If you are joining a mod team in progress, you got to find out who else is on that team and honestly get to know them a little bit if you don't already. Stalk their socials, have a chat, figure out kind of what the culture of that team is read event docs from the past, get an idea of what their working style is like. Running an event is a team project, or at least honestly it should be, if it's a team event. There are clearly events that are solo uh, ventures, but especially bangs um, and exchanges and things that require a lot of more coordination are team projects. And if you can't get along with the rest of the team or your fundamental beliefs about what the event should be don't jive with someone else's, you're not going to have a good time and we are not here to create more needs for everyone to chew in assets. You know what I'm saying? So like <laughs> only do something that's going to bring joy. If you're building a mod team for your own event, consider carefully who you're going to bring on. Enthusiasm is great and people you love and who love you is also wonderful, but sometimes really good friends are not really good coworkers. And you've got to make sure that you're going to have enough mod hours and enough mod skills to get everything done, which leads us to tip number two. Two is ask for help and get help that has the specific skills you need. So don't try to do this alone. I know that there are some events that can be run alone, but at the end of the day, events are hard work, even small ones, and you can't always predict what's gonna happen. So if life happens to you and you need to step away for a while, if you've got no one to fall back on, then the event's just gonna fall apart. And once an event has a reputation for not happening or not happening fast enough or anything like that, it's pretty hard to come back from that. So step one, I say, bring other people on, make it a team project, don't do it alone. The most useful skills for event modding are social media. So that would be making posts, building a social media brand, and knowing the culture of the various spaces on social media. The posts that you make on Tumblr are gonna be really different from the posts you make on Twitter. So if you're someone that's embedded in those cultures and you know what, what's gonna be popular, what flies, what grabs people's attention, that's a great skill. Next up, we have spreadsheets. The more There's complicated- one true love. Yes, my true love. I adore spreadsheets. Coding spreadsheets is how I self-soothe. Um, <laughs> the more complicated and hands-on the event is, the more complicated a spreadsheeting system you'll need. For instance, an exchange probably only needs one or two fairly simple spreadsheets. The exchanges I've run have generally just needed matching and to keep track of who's submitted. 
in some of those we've managed to put everything into one spreadsheet. Uh, then something like MTH, which is um, a charity auction, which we didn't really talk about. It needs something like, I don't know, maybe 40 spreadsheets and some have formulas so long they don't actually fit on the page and we have to formulate them in other documents and then copy them in. <laughs> so if you're good with spreadsheets, there are people who need you. <laughs> uh, next is AO3 and I don't mean just posting fix. AO3 has a powerful but slightly complex challenges system and deep knowledge of how the two types of challenges work, how to set up collections, how anons, reveals, and matching work are all really valuable skills. AO3 has a fabulous FAQ that makes all this very easy to learn. So if you wanna be somebody who's a go-to for AO3 systems, hop on that FAQ and just start reading. It's actually, it's straightforward and it's easy, but there's a lot. So the more that you have learned and the more you've played with it and tried it out, the easier it'll be to turn that into a successful event. We've also got Discord server modding. Most events these days have a Discord server or have an associated Discord server that they are that they are run in part of. Managing people in real time is challenging, but it's super fun. And a lot of event teams find that it's easiest to split people up into roles so that managing the Discord can actually be an entire mod role on its own, especially if there are a lot of participants or any complexities to, that lead to a lot of questions and handholding. So if the signups are a little tricky, maybe you need people to tag a certain way and it gets kind of complicated, or if posting at the end has some extra steps, then you might need Discord server mods that are mostly just there to answer people's questions. And this is a good time to say that there will always be questions. You cannot create a FAQ document that will answer everyone's questions because people read information differently. Yeah. We're going to get into this a little bit more right now, but like if you're listening in a couple minutes, I mean, but if you're listening, you're like, well, my stuff's going to be really straightforward. I don't need a server mod to answer questions. Sweet summer child, you are incorrect. You do. There will always, always be questions. Some people, always. there's just, yeah, there's so many different ways to engage with an event and so many different backgrounds people can be coming from that you just you have to expect questions so set up yourself for that. The last um, skill is graphics design and creation. Most events want to look polished and professional and there's a lot of places where branding can make a difference. Um, there's banners on icons on AO3 accounts, all the social medias have places for banners and icons, every post can have an image in it. So if you can throw together a logo or a banner you will be valued. Um, you don't have to know anything as complicated as Photoshop, and you don't have to get things you need to pay for. Canva is an easy-to-use online graphics building app that's very easy to use, has a lot of stock photos, so that's a good place to start. If you want to use a more powerful Photoshop-like product that doesn't cost money, you can try GIMP. That's the one that I use, and we'll put some show notes for those kinds of resources in this episode as well. Yeah, all of our graphics were made on GIMP because that's what Co uses. And Canva, though, also has a logo making feature. So if any, you know you want to run an event and you know you need and you want slick looking graphics, but you're perhaps like me <clears throat> and you are afraid of Photoshop, which like legitimately I have some sort of phobia. Um, Canva has your back, so don't worry about it. I use it for offline professional life, and I also used it to design the logo for the old MHEA event I used to run. So there's lots of options there, um, but you, if you've seen any of Potscast branding, you are familiar with the work that GIMP makes possible. 
Canva also is great for mood boards. If you want to start making mood boards, you can try out that as well. Yeah, they have whole, that's all the only place I've ever made my mood boards is Canva. <laughs> so basically make sure that the team that you build has the skills you need. If you evaluate what the event is going to need and you know you need somebody who's good at spreadsheets, but you don't know how to use spreadsheets, then I would recommend either doing the research to learn how to do that or making sure that one of the people you bring on has that skill. If the team that you already have established doesn't, you need to advertise for mod help for the specific skills that you need. There's nothing wrong with putting out a mod call post that has, we need someone who has X, Y, Z. We need someone who can make graphics, someone who can do spreadsheets. That is normal and a wonderful way to make it clear what you're looking for. If you want to improve your event modding skills or you want to help out with other events but you're not sure how, learning one or more of these things will be a huge boon. All of these skills are things one can learn through research and practice, all for free, and we will post more resources, not just for graphics design, in the show notes. Also, mod search posts are great. I highly recommend them. If you're looking to build a team, you can take applications and then evaluate what people are bringing to the table before you choose people. If you keep them anonymous and um, you just collect applications, then you also don't have to soothe feelings necessarily for people who aren't chosen because no one needs to know how many applications you've got. So you can make those choices based on who you'd like to work with or who has the skills you need. But keep in mind that mod search posts need to be seen for people to sign up. And if your event is quite new or you have a fairly small social media following, you should use resources like Marvel Event Central who re will read blog that for you and ask signal boosters in your fandom or ship or characters or what have you to give you a boost so you can get your event seen. And if you're on Discord, there's a new server that's growing uh, for Marvel collabs of all kinds. And that would absolutely be a good place to poke around and see who's got skills like this too. This is a collab of a different kind, but um, that would be a good place to make new friends <laughs> and figure out who could be a good team. Absolutely. So step number three on our list of uh, five things to keep in mind is think ahead. <laughs> Friends and neighbors, there is a lot to be said for winging your way through life. And perhaps that's how you like to live. Your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts can't. So if you are somebody who loves flying by the seat of your pants, maybe skip ahead, but we would actually encourage you to consider our way of living. <laughs> at least for, for events. <laughs> at least for events. You need, we think you need to think through your systems from start to finish before you post anything. It can be super exciting to come up with idea and just want to dive in head first, perhaps like starting a new podcast. <laughs> and I'm going to call us out like this thing, like we just we made planned it work. ahead. No, we did plan ahead. It, we just did it really fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. If uh, you can plan ahead in an hour, then all the power to you, you're ready to go. But you know, there's a process. Yeah. And we were very careful about being very public with information before we had decisions. So. I just like to make fun of us because I'm still amazed that we did it. Yeah, I mean, it's valid to mock us. That is allowed. <laughs> yeah. It can, like we said, it can be super exciting to come up with an idea and just want to dive in. But you really need to make sure you have a plan for every step of the way before you get started. So you need to build your team. You need to consider how signups will work. You need to fundamentally decide what kind of event you're running, obviously, before you even get there. And I'll say this too. There's a real culture issue of events like, Deciding you just want to run an exchange could be really fun, but I think a better question to ask yourself is kind of what do you want to accomplish with this? 
do you want to create more works for your fandom because you uh, really, really love a ship that is a bit more of a canoe? Um, or do you want to create an exchange so that people can um, get to know each other a little bit more and get the writing and gifts of their dreams? Like, why do you want to do this event? Because the why of an event is going to help you decide the house in a certain way. So that will help you also decide what kind of platforms need to be used, how to handle things like matching or date claims or submissions or communications. Dates are a real thing with events and you need to think of them carefully. Figure out what other events are going on at the same time because there are some that are sacrosanct within fandom. For instance, if you're running a uh, Big Bang and you expect Tony Stony shippers to be a part of it, running it at the same time as the Cap IM Big Bang is not going to be a great idea. Also think about your personal life and the lives of the other mods. You may certainly be free right now, but events go on for a long time and their work every single step of the way, including after the event has ended. So a lot of workloads are front and, and back ended with a lighter middle period, but still consider that kind of stuff, especially in, let's just say it, in these times where a lot of things are in flux. Um, and people aren't really sure what's going on, understanding dates and the calendar and the fandom calendars would be really important. So will there be any worldwide events or holidays of, or releases of a new canon that might interfere? For instance, eventually we're going to get Black Widow. If you're running a Nat week, you probably need to figure out where you want that movie to fall. And how much time do creators need to create? Consider that people need enough time to not feel panicked, but not so much time that they forget about it. And if you're not sure, look at other events that use a similar structure and consider how long they take. This is a really great time too to ask people for opinions. I write super fast compared to other people and so does Ferret. And when I've run events in the past, I have forgotten that it is not necessarily normal for people to write one to 1.5K a day. And if I create an event where you have to do that in order to participate in the event, then that is my fault for not creating an event where everybody can participate. So asking around, seeing what average speed is and things like that might also help if you don't know how to judge it from the events that already run. Too uh, many events fall apart halfway through because the system wasn't in place and support to get later stages. So like somebody gets really excited and makes a Tumblr post, but they can't actually get anything off the ground and don't know who to turn to for help. And this is another one of those times in which asking for or knowing other people in fandom that have been here before you and have already made these mistakes. Hi, our names are Flame and Ferret. <laughs> um, we would, you know, love to help you. For instance, uh, Ferret even has a pretty well-structured outline. Yeah, I, um, I have had to do event proposals where I wanted to run events on Discord servers and I had to write a proposal and submit it to the mods so that they uh, knew what I was going to run and then I ran the event through that. So I've built a bit of an outline that lets me build an event proposal quickly, but the other benefit of providing me with a proposal that I can send to the mods that are clear is that it lets me figure out what questions I have not yet answered about an event. So it, ha it structures things in such a way that you have to get some of that, some of those questions answered and some of the structures in place in the systems put down. And one of the most important things, even if you don't, and I will put a link in the show notes to um, a version of that for you guys to use if you want to. But I would also say that one of the most important parts of the outline, even if you don't use anything else from it, I recommend you really think about this, is a section called uh, moderator obligations. 
And the idea for that is to think through the whole event from start to finish and write down everything that the mods will be responsible for doing throughout the event from start to finish and after it's over to close it. And by writing it all out like that, it will give you an idea of how much mod work this is going to be, what kind of skills your moderators need to have, how many moderators you need to have, how many hours it's going to take each of them, if this is a front-loaded, back-loaded, or even kind of workload, all that kind of stuff. So I, I highly recommend that you give those things some, some thought when you're planning out these systems. And our next piece of advice is be clear. Write out your rules in advance and have several people read them over before you post. Ideally, several people from different backgrounds than your own, either culturally or language-wise or from different fandoms or ships. Whatever it is, get a little variety in there because everyone's going to read them a little bit differently and you're going to want feedback that lets you make them as clear as possible to as many people as possible. It is totally fine to not allow things in your event, but keep in mind that every restriction that you put in place does exclude people. So consider what line you want to draw between the boundaries you want your event to fall within and those exclusions. It can help to fill your mod team with people who like different types of fan works from each other. So if there's something maybe you personally are uncomfortable reviewing, if the style of event requires mod review, which many of them do, someone else on the team might be okay with it and you can split up approvals so that different people are reading the things that suit them and so that anybody who's uncomfortable with something doesn't have to read that content. But as I said, you are also able to make that a rule of your event, but whatever the rules are, you have to make them clear. They have to be clear upfront. Don't use euphemisms, beat around the bush, or use vague phrases like problematic ships or dark fix. Keep in mind that not only will everyone have slightly different definitions of these things, but many participants may have other primary languages or simply different cultures and idioms may not land the same way. If there are things you don't allow, be really clear and use examples. I don't mean of other people's specific works, but of the kinds of specific topics, themes, tropes, or plot lines that aren't allowed. People need to have that information so that they can make the choices about whether they want to participate in the event or not. And the very last thing that you want is somebody misunderstanding the rules, spending a lot of time creating something that, especially if it's for an exchange or a bang or something like that, only to find out near the end that what they made does not adhere to the rules and won't be included. So make your rules whatever you want, but make them very, very clear. The final one, is one that may seem a little, it's actually, it's not tactical, it's more emotional, but we think it's really important and we'd like to end on it. We would really encourage you to not run events just to become popular in your fandom. Oh, in our opinion, good mods are invisible. An event should run smooth and cohesive and have a singular clear voice when it comes to rules and values. And that is hard to accomplish. If you've done an event well, a lot of people will not even have any idea that you are involved. They will think positively about the event and not necessarily about any individuals behind the scenes. And that's not saying you shouldn't get credit or affection for your work. Guys, it's really, really great to look at the end of an event and have somebody say, my God, I really had fun here and know that you were part of creating that. It's an incredible feeling, absolutely. But also events are so much work and they're taxing and they can get frustrating. And even if you have a really good team, you can end up hating them <laughs> at different <laughs> points in time because welcome to humans. And if your goal is to bring attention to your creation or to become like the queen of that or king or regent of that fandom, 
there are better ways to do it than running events. If you are focused on, and I'm using the you here in the general second person, I promise this isn't directed at anybody in particular, but if you're running an event entirely to kind of pad your own ego, the event is going to become a lot about your tastes and not necessarily about what serves the fandom. And this goes back to what I said earlier about figuring out why you want to do what you're going to do. If you want more recognition for your work, I know there are people that talk about branding and they you know, are really consistent and they want to promote their works and all those kind of things. And then there's some of us that are a little bit more organic with it. No matter where you fall on that spectrum, running an event and asking other people to join in your vision is probably more work, more ba less bang for your buck as it were. <laughs> to bring more works into the world that fit the ship or the theme or the universe that you love and to encourage participation, affection and connection in our little world should be the goal of every event. And the most successful ones and the ones that keep people, that people kind of build their fandom schedules around are the ones that foster that. For instance, Marvel Trump's hate is one of the things you hear referenced constantly throughout the year, even when that auction is not happening. It's the thing that when we use the abbreviations in servers, the most people ask exactly what that is. And one of those reasons I truly believe is because the entire thing is fandom focused and focused outwardly and not on our own anything. Most of us who actually put up auctions are absolutely petrified that no one will bid on us, even though fair and the rest <laughs> of the mods remind us every year that nobody doesn't get bid on. But it's so outwardly and pro fandom focused that it just really generates wonderful community around it in a way that some other smaller events don't. And because, not necessarily just because of the size, but again, because of the focus. So we would encourage you to be intentional regarding your particular motives um, and honest with yourself, because this could be a fairly painful internal conversation uh, about your role in this process. going to move on to the second half which is tips for participating in events so if you don't want to be a moderator but you want to be a creator for events here's some things that you should know diving into that the first is to know your own limits for instance like y'all i hate check-in forms on events it's a personal <laughs> thing i just really hate it i know they work really well for other people but for me, they kind of shame me into going at a pace that I don't really care for. And I get really anxious and I kind of half-ass the forums anyway, and it's not really a great idea. Um, and so I've had to stop doing events with check-in forms. It's that simple. They work for other people, but they hinder me. And so I just remove myself from those spaces. Also, like there's other things like that too. There's particular platforms I hate engaging with. And I've tried a couple events that use those platforms and you know what, it's way more stress than it's worth. So I'm just gonna remove myself from those event spaces. My limits are not only my time, which we'll get to in a second, but like what I want, how I want to create and how I want to move about and how I want to engage with fandom. And I know Fair feels the same way. Yeah, your limits can, you know, your word count limit say for an event doesn't necessarily have to be the limit of how much you can write in that period of time. It may be how much of your word count you are going to write in that time that you want to be contributed to this particular event. So my average for a month is much, much, much more than I'm willing to commit to an event that will take a month. 
because I need, I, I need to be able to write on multiple things at once. And so some of those words have to be going towards other things. So I will always make sure that is a fairly small percent of what I know I can create so that I have that room to breathe inside it and that room to be a skanky hoe, which I am with my whips. <laughs> you, you cheat on a lot of whips. <laughs> That's for sure. It's, it's true. I, I own it. I know myself. So know your limits. Yeah. And I, I have to say that there's, I live in Ontario and there's um, the slogan for the Ontario lottery, like the gaming association, like the lottery association, whatever it's called, is know your limits, play within it. And I hear a lot of like ads with that. And so every time I've heard you say know your limits, I have to say play within it in my head after. <laughs> like that's a great fandom principle too. <laughs> yeah. Know your limits, play within it. Thank you, Ontario. Thanks, Ontario. And obviously, like, fandom life and offline life don't always get along. So make sure you know what you've got on your plate when your deadline rolls around. If you know, for instance, that, like, you have a massive report due for school the same day as signups or claims, like, maybe give this event a pass. <laughs> like, it's okay. There will be more. Um, so kind of just be realistic with yourself. Don't give yourself a hernia for a thing that, um, you, honestly, is a hobby. There's, there's also sort of a tendency, I see this a lot with people who are getting excited and getting involved in fandom at the beginning, no fingers pointed, where they see a lot of <laughs> events and they want to sign up for all of them. So they start to accumulate them and there's sort of a snowball effect. And then you hit a point where you're suddenly like, oh my God, I have 18 different things all for events that I'm supposed to be working on. And even though they all have different deadlines, there's like a period of say five, six weeks where they all heavily overlap and you're not sure which one you should work on. It's fairly common, usually leads to event burnout where then you go for a while without doing events at all. And maybe that's something some of us have to go through, but maybe my warning will help as well. Sometimes that happens. So keep an eye, not just on how much you can handle each individual event, but the cumulative effect of doing multiple events in one year. And if anyone heard that really passive aggressive tone, <laughs> was addressed what? at me. <laughs> I would never. Never. I would never. Uh, yeah, I think I did. I, I joined, I did my first, I signed up for my first bang last July. I think I've done 14 events since last July. Guys, that was dumb. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I only mock because I went through the same thing like three years ago. So I came out the other side and now I, I'm very careful with how many events I do. But yeah, I think I did 18 a year or something like that. And half of them I was modding. <laughs> Yeah, I also modded events my first year, which like I learned so much and it produced incredible content. Those um, Marvel Happily Ever After events, the Harlequin Hoopla and, yeah. the Hallmark and the Holiday Movie Challenge, love them. But holy crap, we learned by doing a lot. And if I had had this pod, this guide before then, a lot of things would have been different. Our second tip for participating in events is be aware of how you work with others and know how to communicate that for collaborations. There are a lot of events that have a collaborative aspect, bangs obviously being the most prevalent probably, but there are other events that are specifically designed for collaborations. I know that when I do server bingo events, which I really like to do, I always make the free square a collaboration square because I do want to encourage that and a free square just seems a little too free when you have a whole server working on one card. Um, also, as was mentioned before, there's a Marvel collab Cupid um, Discord server now, and there's some events that are running in there that are centered around collaborations. So 
if, especially if a bang is your first time experiencing a collaboration, you should think a little bit about which platform you communicate best on. If you have an email and your email is what the event moderator shared to connect you, but you never check your fandom email, it's a good idea to tell your partner that you never check your fandom email and suggest that perhaps Tumblr DM, Discord, Twitter, something, anything, or give them an alternate email they can use that you do check might be a better option. And if not, perhaps set some reminders on your phone or in your calendar for you to check your email or put on push notifications or forwarding from that certain person so that you know you can stay in communication. The most important part of the collaboration is communication. And even if you and your artist or you and your writer are working on your pieces separately, at the end of the day, it is a collaboration. You are gonna to come together and share them. And so staying in touch with each other is really important, even just so that your partner knows that they, it is a partnership and they are supported and you are working on your thing too. And they don't have to worry that they're gonna to come to the deadline and you've just completely disappeared. <laughs> so if any of that is hard for you, or if you're excited and wanna try it, but you never have, it pays to be really, to do sort of a really critical think about your own communication styles, how often you wanna be in touch with someone, for something like that, the sorts of things that you want to be group brainstorming versus coming up with yourself. And then when you first get connected with your person or some events also have an opportunity for you to make this part of the pitch that that person will be claiming, be clear, be upfront, tell them this is what I want, this is what I'm looking for, and then be willing to compromise. So whatever they're looking for, you guys find a middle ground that will work for both of you. That's the nature of collaboration that you may have to do some things be in touch more or less than what would be your ideal, but the goal of working with someone else is to find something that works for both of you. We also need to call a spade a spade here. There are collaborations that just don't work out and that's a piece of fandom that we'd encourage you to kind of keep in mind. You're not the first person to be frustrated with a partner and you won't be the last. And that's a kind of a necessary evil in this way so don't assume that this is going to be sunshine and roses just because you guys like the same ship. I guess have um, appropriate expectations as you move forward. There have been beautiful things that have come out of bang partnerships in my life. And there've been some other ones that have been a little bit more frustrating and that's just life. So if you're going to, so keep in mind when you're choosing which events you wanna sign up for, whether they have a collaborative aspect. And if that's something you're feeling really unsure about, there are other ways that you can try collaborations that are lower pressure, that don't have a deadline perhaps. Even just hang, you know, meeting somebody somewhere else and seeing if they wanna just play around in the dock for a little while, gives you an idea of the kind of thing that you're capable of doing so that you know what sorts of events would suit you best. And speaking of things that sometimes just don't work out because personalities are fun, we'd encourage you to remember that mods are human. Ask questions for sure. I'm a huge fan of questions and most mod teams I've ever come across are gracious with questions, but it's not their fault if no one reads your story or if your partner ghosts you. It's not uncommon to ask for extensions, but please remember extensions can't be given indefinitely. Mods have a schedule to stick to as well, because as you heard in our last bit, planning events is a lot of work and they've probably carefully timed some of the deadlines. So you may be, need, you may be told that you need to post or drop out and that may have consequences for future events. As far as we're concerned, this isn't on the mods necessarily, and it should be something that you're aware of going in. Don't count on an extension. This is, this is a kind of an awkward point to make, I will admit, 
because so many events are so gracious and moderators are willing to give flexibility. But please remember that there's a difference between flexibility and being a doormat and don't just don't be a dick about it. Like we're all <laughs> like, we're all here to have fun. Just keep that in mind. At the end of the day, the mods are your fellow fans. Some of them may be younger than you, older than you. Some of them are in school. Some of them have jobs. Some of them have kids. We are all just doing this for fun. And the people who are running events are people just like you who are just trying their best to contribute. They're not professionally trained. They don't get paid for this. Everyone's just trying their hardest. So have have a little forgiveness and a little understanding and hopefully the mods will in your direction as well. Next up is read the rules and regulations really clearly. Different events will have different rules. Don't assume that just because you've done a bingo before you know how all other bingos will work. Read, 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 read. And please don't pester the mods with questions until you have read. Can guarantee that you'll read all the rules carefully and there'll still be something that you have a question about. That's just the nature of people, but at least give it a go find the information that they have posted, you'll save them a little time and yourself usually a little time too, having to wait for them to get an answer to you. You also wanna know if an event is right for you before you even participate. If you disagree with the core values, you wanna create something that isn't allowed or you're gonna need an account somewhere that you don't have or don't wanna get, or then it might not be the right event for you. So read everything that they have before you sign up and decide if it's what you want. Again, just because it looks similar to other events you've done, Almost every event is run by a different group of people, so it may actually turn out to be quite a different event when you actually get down to it. So read carefully, get an idea, look at the other things that were posted for that event as well, and decide if it's the right event for you. Finally, this is a harsh truth. Don't count on events to get you exposure. This is sometimes hazy because depending on fandom, like events draw readers, but then there's so many works submitted that even dedicated readers can't manage to make its way through things. Or you happen to have to post one of your bang fix on the day that AO3 is not sending out emails. <laughs> That's one's a little fresh. Um, th it's, it's hard because yes, you can read through a whole bang collection or read through an entire exchange collection as a fan of that particular ship on AO3, but it's hard to. Um, additionally, if you're asked to post your entire long fic at once, like a lot of bangs do, or you're in some sort of exchange that's anonymous in pre-reveals, you can actually kind of take a hit on the exposure. So this is one of those that's a bit of a double-edged sword. Yes, it's entirely possible that this event will get you more exposure, especially if you write rare pairs but it's also entirely possible that you will get completely buried by the very nature of the event. So just be aware, I guess. There's also, there's actually some semi-complicated AO3 factors that can come into play as well. If your fic is being posted on AO3 for an event, sometimes you post in advance of when the fix will actually be made public, especially for exchanges, because the mods have to review everything first and make sure that they, none of them violate the exchange requests. And then days or even weeks later, your post will actually go live. And that means that it'll miss hitting the feeds. So if you follow Tumblr feeds or if you use RSS feeds at all, and it won't show up at the top of the newest first sort on AO3 because it was invisible when it was actually posted. And you can go into the fic as many um, of these types of events will 
remind you to do, you can go in and change the date. But even doing that usually posts you at as the first fic on that day. And if you're in a big fandom or a popular fandom where a lot of stuff gets posted, or if a lot of people are changing their date, you can still get pushed to the bottom of the page. So in terms of exposure, there's actually like, there's some AO3 things that come into play if you're posting on AO3 that mean that your fic could while it would be while it gets exposure through the event itself it misses out on all the natural exposure that AO3 provides. So to reiterate what we said before events are about love they're being pushed out of your comfort zone or about connecting with other fans and feeling like a part of something perhaps they're about making new friends or writing a ship you've never written before or engaging with an art art medium that you've never done before or getting a blackout on a bingo card or being or being emotionally gently manipulated into getting blackout on a bingo card I'm by so your podcast partner. Why she's so excited to do this? <laughs> I'm just It'll nervous. I won't get it done. We'll clink uh, our badges together with our wine glasses. Oh, done. But fundamentally, and I, we would argue that this is the same thing for anything in fandom. It's not about getting fandom famous. So none of what we've said on this little mini episode was meant to dissuade you from joining or running events, which I hope it didn't sound like that, but we mostly just wanted to give you some guidelines to get you started so that you don't get yourself into a place where you're unhappy or uncomfortable. Because we're here in fandom to have a good time. You know, Flame and I are all about promoting nothing but joy, joy, joy with fandom. And it's, it sucks, honestly, to get involved in an event situation on either side of the desk where instead of giving you joy, it gives you stress. You don't want to wake up and be scared to check your Discord or not want to look at your email because you know that there's a drama happening. So this is just some limitations to keep in mind, whether you're participating or running, to make sure that events are always a positive thing for you. And we are actually actively talking about running a couple events, and we talk all the time about participating in them, not just this infamous Tony Stark bingo. But events are a big part of our fandom experiences too. And what I said earlier about protecting you from our mistakes was serious. We've both hit event burnout. We've both been in awkward situations. We've both made mistakes and that could have been prevented with some clearer questions or some more strategic relationships. And so we're hoping that this kind of guidance, as frank as it was, is a helpful guidance as you think about uh, your event life moving forward. So if you want to find out where you can participate in events, then we think the best place to start is our events forecast that happens every time we record. We also post a full transcript of the events forecast on our website every time we post. So if you'd rather read it and find the links, you can hop over there. You can also look at Marie's blog, which again will be in the show notes and is in the show notes of every episode that we do and see all of the wonderful things that she's reblogging. There are so many Marvel events out there and the barriers for participation are all over the place. So whether you're someone who wants to write 50,000 words about your specific ship and get an artist to draw for you, or you wanna get a bingo card and make three different doodles, there is something out there for you and we hope that you'll find it. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for this mini bonus episode. We'll see everybody next Sunday for episode eight. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us.